You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, And on this edition, we are continuing our Arsenal player review series. And the subject of this particular episode is our skipper, is our captain, is our talisman and our first choice centre forward, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We're going to be getting in to the debate around Aubameyang. Does he bring enough to the team in general? Is he the man to fire Arsenal back into the European places? Is he still the man who should be tasked with leading our attack? We're going to get into all of that. Going to talk about some of the reasons why I feel he's maybe not necessarily been, um, you know, at the level that we all know he can be at over the last kind of 18 months or so. We know there have been some issues off the field that have obviously contributed to that and we'll touch on those. But I think there's a lot, that needs to be resolved tactically when it comes to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So we're going to dive into all of that during this edition of the show. As always, though, I want to hear from you guys in the live chat box. So make sure that you make your feelings known, get your comments in, get your questions in. And if you're watching this back later on on YouTube, feel free to let us know what you think in the comment section below after the live stream. Equally, if you're listening via the audio platforms, we'd love to hear from you too. So you can tweet us at Chronicles underscore AFC. Bloody hell, it's cold this morning. It is bloody freezing. I've come down uh, to the studio. Obviously, I hadn't put the heating on prior to arriving here, and I've had to wrap up like a bloody Eskimo uh, to get through this podcast. Winter is really just around the corner here in London, and I guess uh, traveling to those games now is going to be a lot more difficult, a lot more uh, of a pain in the backside when you've got to wrap up. You know what? The Arsene Wenger coat is going to have to come out, I think. Yes, I've got one of those sleeping bag Arsene Wenger coats. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into this Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang stuff then without further ado. Now, look, I think all of us can agree that last season, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's performances and then subsequent outputs were largely underwhelming. We all knew what he could do, um, you know, based on his, his Arsenal career. Prior to that, we all knew that he or we all know that he does have goals in him. We all know that if you get him in the right positions and you provide him with the right service, he is more often than not going to convert. He is more often than not going to do the business, deliver. And I said it time and time again throughout the course of last season when we maybe weren't getting the maximum out of him for whatever reason, whether that be him playing from the left, be him playing through the middle, whether the team around him was just not getting the ball to him quick enough, whether the service was right, whether the tactics were right. All of that stuff needs to be considered. But for me, as I have said for the last couple of years, Arsenal's relative success, and by that I mean Arsenal's ability to qualify for Europe, get back to something more like a position that you'd expect from a club of Arsenal's stature, is dependent on us getting the maximum, or at least as close to that as possible as we can, out of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He is that important to this Arsenal side. now people have made the case over the last year or so that actually he shouldn't be a starter anymore, that Alexander Lacazette is far more rounded 
in terms of what he brings to the table, in terms of what he brings to the team. And look, it's impossible to deny that when Lacazette has played as a centre-forward, players around him have looked better. Saka's looked better for the most part. Emil Smith-Rowe looked better for the most part. Then you think about maybe Martin Odegaard or whoever else you want to put into that mix, Nicola Pepe, whoever it may be. Alexander Lacazette seems to me superior in terms of his hold-up play, in terms of his link-up play, and in terms of the work rate that he gives to the team. But there are a few things that you have to think about when saying that. And, and first of all, being a complete centre-forward is not just about your link-up play or your hold-up play. It's about doing all of those things, but also contributing uh, valuable goals to the cause. And when you consider how much people were kind of waxing lyrical about Alexander Lacazette last season and how sort of superior he was supposedly to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I think when you look at the goal stats or, or the difference in, in kind of actual outputs between the two, and remember, Aubameyang missed a lot of football as well. I think you'll be quite surprised by, you know, the, I guess, by how little difference there was in terms of those outputs. And I'll just bring it up now to kind of just to show you guys uh, on the screen so you can see exactly what I'm talking about, because We've we all came out of last season talking about how poor Pierre Emerick Aubameyang was, yet how good, um, you know, Alexander Lacazette was. And actually, when you compare the two, you'll see there isn't all that much difference between what they actually kind of delivered when it comes to, to goals and assists and, and direct outputs. And you can see it here. Alexander Lacazette played 31 times for Arsenal um, in the Premier League. He scored 13 goals. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang played 29 times for so two games less, but only managed 10 goals. So he was three goals shy of um, of Alexander Lacazette, but he also provided one more assist. Aubameyang provided three, Lacazette provided two. So the point I'm trying to make is that even though the narrative or the, the, the story that was doing the rounds or the kind of rhetoric that has been put out by Arsenal fans over the last 12 months, what Aubameyang delivered, despite having malaria, despite having issues when his mum was unwell, despite being dropped from the team at times, for example, when he failed to turn up on time for the North London derby, what you see there is that despite all the obstacles, despite all the hurdles and despite all the ongoing issues, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang wasn't far behind Alexander Lacazette at all. And that kind of reinforces the point to me that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is still the main man. He's still the one that I would look to in the biggest of moments to deliver me a goal. He's still the one that I would task with leading the line more often than not. But there are elements to his game that just don't that, that just don't work with the team right now. And, and it's impossible to deny that. I talk constantly about Lacazette's link-up play, hold-up play, the fact that he drops into those deeper little pockets and tries to kind of play one-touch stuff and get people in the game and essentially create that space in behind him for the wingers to, to run into from out to in. But that's not all you want from your striker. You know, you, you need more. And, and I feel like, and I've said it time and time again, we need someone who's a bit of both. We need someone who has that ability to drop into those pockets, but also has the ability to run in behind. Something that Alexander Lacazette just doesn't do 
and doesn't do well enough when he does do it because he doesn't have the pace. He's, he's not that type of player. And if I just share with you guys uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's heat map um, this season so far, you'll actually see, and you can see it here just on your right-hand side if you're listening via the audio, uh, if you're watching via the video. Sorry, if you're listening via the audio platforms, don't worry, I'll explain it as best as possible. But you can see that the majority of the positions or, or the, the majority of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's time is spent in that deep pocket. You know, that, that position that we know that Lacazette likes to operate in. And the reason Aubameyang operates in that position is because that's what tactically Mikel Arteta is asking him to do. But that is not Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's game. And I think Mikel Arteta knows that. I think Mikel Arteta appreciates, understands, is aware that in order to play the way he wants to play, he's going to have to ask Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at times to do things that maybe come a little bit less naturally to him. You know, we saw him in the Spurs game press. We saw him harry. We saw him hassle. I thought he was fantastic in that game. And he proved that when people call him lazy and they say that he can't be bothered and that he can't press, that that was all wrong because I thought he did that brilliantly that day. I thought he was really, really good in terms of when Arsenal decided to go long, at being a focal point, at winning headers, at being involved, etc., etc. So Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has shown that he can do those things, but because they don't come naturally to him, because that's not what his game is based on, I question whether you can rely on him to deliver those particular or, or that particular side of the game week in, week out. You know, Aubameyang wants to run in the channels. Aubameyang wants to be released in that inside left channel, receiving the ball, approaching the edge of the penalty area and being able to cut inside onto his right foot. That is what Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is all about. And the way we play, particularly when we face a low block, means that he has to do this different role. He has to drop into those pockets. He has to vacate spaces and try, hopefully, bring centre-halves with him to create room in behind for others to exploit. And that is something that will go unnoticed. It's something, as I say, that doesn't look natural to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and therefore people will say, well, he's not playing very well. But it's clear that Mikel Arteta so far this season has been really pleased with what Aubameyang's done in terms of following those instructions, in terms of making sure that he's doing his bit for the team and undertaking the role that is being asked of him. Now, is that Aubameyang's best role? No, it isn't. And I do wonder if we are missing a massive trick here in asking Aubameyang to play in a certain way. You know, you'd have thought that given we gave him that absolutely huge contract, which I'm not saying was wrong, by the way, because can you imagine the uproar from the Arsenal fan base had we not given Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that contract after he, of course, uh, won us the FA Cup pretty much single-handedly? You know, it would have been carnage. It would have been chaos if the club had allowed him to walk the way that they had done with stars in years gone by. So I don't think it was wrong to give him a new contract, but I think it was something that the club did to appease the fans, something that the club felt they had to do. But the planning um, looking ahead wasn't either wasn't done or wasn't done well enough, because if this was the way that Arsenal always intended to play, then it was clear that Aubameyang would not be that man. You know, it's it's just not the way he plays the game of football. And, and you know, we talk a lot about systems and there are managers, especially now more so than ever, who 
have a preferred system, have a philosophy, have a style of play, and then recruit players to fit into that rather than the other way around. And we've, I, I don't know if we've, we always intended to play this way or if Mikel Arteta has stumbled across it with regards to the centre forward in terms of the role that he wants. But, you know, this is a player who has bags and bags of ability and will be a key cog for us this season. Someone who our success is largely dependent on. But there is this tiny part of me, there's this voice in the back of my head nagging away at me every time I watch Aubameyang play saying, yes, he will still score goals because he's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and that's what he's done throughout his career. But are we not or are we failing to get the maximum out of him? And I think the answer to that, if you really look deep down, has to be yes. The striker situation is is a complex one at Arsenal and I do truly believe it's the next area Arsenal will look to address in this rebuild. I do believe that it's the next part of the process, you know, looking at a centre-forward who comes in and ticks all those boxes, who maybe fits the system a little bit better than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does with a view to the future because, of course, Aubameyang's 32. He's not getting any younger. Um, Once he gets this season under his belt, he'll only have another year left on his Arsenal contract. You've got uh, Alexander Lacazette, who will walk away for free, it seems, at the end of this season. You've got Eddie Nketiah, who's also in the same boat. Following Balogun just isn't ready yet, just isn't there yet. And so the striker situation feels like one that needs addressing. I feel as though Arsenal kicked the can down the road on this because of Aubameyang's presence, because of Lacazette's presence, because they are of a certain standard that probably made the manager and the club feel as though they could or they should prioritise other areas first. But it is an issue and it is a problem because I believe that not having the right type of striker has led to us looking a bit blunt in attack at times because we don't have the attributes that our centre forward would or, 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 you know, we don't have the attributes in our centre forward that would complement this system, complement the players around uh, him at all times. So I don't blame Aubameyang for it. I just don't think he's perfectly suited. I still think he's better than Lacazette. I still think he's the one that you start week in, week out and the one that you can trust over the course of the season to deliver more. I still think that, uh, you know, Balogun isn't ready. I, I was never a massive fan of Eddie Nketiah. So if he leaves, it's kind of like for me, well, meh, like, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I do think, as I say, this is the next step in the rebuild. The next step is to go out and get a centre forward that ticks more of those boxes that fits into the wider plan and, and the longer term plan. And, um, and and I think until we do that, we're going to see this, you know, we're going to see chopping and changing, or at least we're going to want to see chopping and changing between Aubameyang and Lacazette in, based on the opponent, based on what we're facing, whether that be a low block. You know, if teams are going to push up high lines against us, then of course you want Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and he's blistering pace all day of the week. But when people come, especially to the Emirates, and sit with those low blocks, then for me, um, you know, you're looking at a, a different need and a different option. And Lacazette feels more like that option, although, again, he's not a perfect fit either. So, you know, I keep coming back to it. The fact is that we are trying to put square pegs in round holes. And I know that when you're talking about Aubameyang, there will be people out there, and I can see a couple in the chat saying that, 
You know, he needs to adapt. He needs to change his game. He needs to learn his game. Very difficult to do that at 32 years old. You know, it's very, very difficult for somebody to change their habits that they've been in for years and years and years. And, you know, it's it's not easy. It's easier said than done. And I just feel like there are plenty of strikers in the world that have certain attributes and those attributes kind of make up their identity as a player. And sometimes they will find themselves in situations, in teams, in systems where their identity just isn't quite right for the job, isn't quite the perfect fit. And it's, you know, it's part of football. You know, you can think over the years of many a player who were target men, players who ran in behind, who were pace merchants, players who were uh, foxes in the box or whatever you want to call them. There's there's different types of strikers. And I just feel like right now we've got two very good strikers in Aubameyang and Lacazette, two very expensive strikers in Aubameyang and Lacazette. Unfortunately, though, neither of them are the perfect fit for what it is we're trying to do on the pitch. And that is a problem, obviously. And something that will, I believe, be rectified in time, but wasn't obviously seen as a as a major priority. Right. Uh, let's take some of your questions, some of your thoughts um, on this subject. Uh, if you've got a question, pop a queue in at the beginning so that I can pick it out from the comments a little bit easier. Uh, but fill up the chat box. Go for it. Uh, but I just guess, I guess, sorry, just to summarise my my feelings on this, is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang the man to lead the Arsenal attack still? Is he the man that's going to fire Arsenal back into Europe? I think he has to be the man, is the answer to that. Because he is still, in my opinion, superior to Alexander Lacazette in a lot of ways. In some ways, Lacazette is the better player. But when you weigh up what they bring to the table overall, and the fact that Aubameyang's the captain and the fact that he does have that extra pace, he is a more competent finisher or a more ruthless finisher at least, then for me, he leads this, you know, and he is the one that should start week in, week out. Can Alexander Lacazette be of good use over the course of the season? He absolutely can. Will we need to use him? For sure. 100%. There will be games that suit Alexander Lacazette. There will be moments in games where Lacazette has to come off the bench and impact them. But I still, you know, when I weigh up the pros and cons of both, I still keep, no matter how many times I go around in a circle, coming back to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, being the one that needs to lead the line for Arsenal. Is there an argument that you could play both of them up front as a traditional, more maybe conventional front too? Yeah, there probably is an argument for that. But it's clearly not something that Mikel Arteta is willing to do or try. Therefore, get out of your head. Forget about it. It's clear that our system comprises of a back four right now, a couple of deeper lying midfield players, a number 10, two wingers and a centre forward. And that is the role that Mikel Arteta, therefore, is going to ask of those two players. Who can do it better? I think, as I say, they both bring different things to the table. But overall, it's still a Bamiang for me. So. Yeah, he is the man to lead the front line. Is he the man to lead the front line for years to come? Should he be someone that we're maybe looking to replace come next summer? I think, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's sensible. But at this moment in time, I think he has to he has to be the one. And we just have to kind of hope and pray that he does put in more performances like the one he did against Spurs. I know a lot of people criticised him against Brighton. And look, he wasn't very good against Brighton. You know, the ball was 
being passed into him and it, it wasn't sticking. He, his touch was poor. It was sluggish. And sometimes players just have days like that. You've got to accept it. But we can't afford for our talisman and captain and leader to have too many of those days if we're to achieve what it is that Arsenal need to achieve this season. All right, let's take some of uh, your comments. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Abdullah says, why should he adapt when we can use him and his strength to our advantage? Uh, Steve says, I fully understand the fans' frustrations with Mikel Arteta not getting the best out of certain players, but it would be nice for said certain players to broaden their horizons and play out of their comfort zone. I agree. Steve, um, I agree with the theory behind that, but I don't think Aubameyang struggling to adapt is necessarily for a lack of trying because I think that he has shown in certain fixtures, especially that Spurs fixture. And look, I know you don't need anything um, extra to get you up for a North London derby. That should be a given. But I do think he displayed elements of his game that we probably thought were lacking. You know, the, the fact that he was pressing so aggressively was a breath of fresh air. But that press goes unnoticed and, and is ineffective unless the people around you also engage in it. I always say this, you need to press as a team, press as a unit. And we did that brilliantly against Spurs. And Aubameyang really set the tone for that. He was better in the air in terms of giving the centre-half something to worry about when Arsenal did opt to go long via Aaron Ramsdale. And when he got the ball in the in the channels that he likes to receive it in, which is slightly to the left of centre, I thought he did damage and I thought he used the ball really, really well. So we saw all the things that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang can bring to the table that day. But when they're things that don't come naturally to you, I think you will see ups and downs. And I think, as I said earlier on, it is very, very difficult for somebody who's been playing football for, for you know, so many years to kind of, change their habits. Habits are habits for a reason and you can't always shake them off and adapt them and change them and make them better than you want them to be, etc, etc. So that's where I am um, on that. But I, I get it. You know, he has got to adapt better than he has so far, but there's no reason why he can't he can't do that. Uh, John says, Arteta and this team need a central forward that is more suited to the style of play. For me, Oba has to go. Um, Abdullah says, we see how well he plays with Lacquer on the pitch. We're setting him up for a failure and complain about his efforts. How is that right? See, I don't think that we have seen him and Lacquer combine on the pitch as well as their kind of friendship off the field suggests they might. I've got to be honest, you know, people won't like that. People would disagree with that. But I do think that link up between them is a bit of a myth on the pitch. I think they've been very, very good, you know, off the pitch. They, they're obviously very close pals and they obviously... Um, share a lot of interests and get on brilliantly. But there's been times where I've looked at them to combine and looked at them to kind of help get us out of a hole when Oba has played from the left and Lack has played through the middle. And I just don't think they delivered as a duo, as a pair, often enough. That's not to say they never did, but it wasn't frequent enough for me. So I actually have a different view on that, Abdullah. I think that it's a bit of a myth that they are this incredible combination on the pitch. And I think it's a myth that is born out of the fact that they are very, very good mates. Um, Omar says people need to stop blaming Arteta for Aubameyang's decline. Arteta has been playing him up front where most of the fan base have been crying for him to play and he has still been shit. Uh, John says, agree with you, Harry, can't teach an old dog new tricks. He's proven to be outstanding in a system, but it's not in Arteta's system. He is class, has been class, but not for this system. 
Uh, John Daly also asks, do you think we should or could offer Aubameyang to Newcastle? He would keep them up. He would get the wages. He would be the main man again. Spoke about this a little bit yesterday um, when we were talking about Lacazette potentially moving to the Northeast. I don't think that the Northeast, with all due respect to anyone who's from there, and I've been up there, it's a lovely place, but I don't think it has the same appeals as London for somebody coming from overseas. And I think that it's, you know, it's a very, very hard sell for Newcastle United at this moment in time. I think they will initially target Premier League-based players. But I think Aubameyang is someone that is going to be here until the end of his contract, unless an offer comes in, a sizable offer that Arsenal feel is too good to kind of refuse. And unless, in my opinion, Oba starts being a bit part figure. So maybe that'll be next season. Maybe Arsenal will get a striker in in the summer who will lead the line moving forward and that will lead to eventually Oba moving on. But I don't see it happening this time around. Um, and I'm not sure that Newcastle would appeal to him, if I'm being completely honest. This is a problem for Newcastle, right? Because we talk about all the money they've got and, and what they're hoping to do, but they're still going to have issues attracting players because they're in a relegation battle at the moment. And to kind of sell somebody that you're going to, sell the project and sell to somebody the fact that you expect to be at the top of the Premier League, you know, in a very short space of time when you're currently staring up from the bottom three, I think is a really hard sell. Um, you know, and and there are lots of teams with money now, you know, it's not easy for them to just kind of walk into the transfer market and bully people into joining them. You know, you'll be looking at if you were a top player in Europe now, Man City could offer you big bucks, so could Chelsea, so could United, Arsenal and Liverpool have been known to break the bank on certain players as well. You know, Tottenham are probably in that bracket as well. Everton are a very wealthy football club. Leicester City have not shied away from spending money. So I don't think it's as easy to do as it was when Chelsea did it, for example, in 2004. So I think for Newcastle, it's going to be a lot tougher to get to that point as quickly as Chelsea did. But Aubameyang to Newcastle, I just don't see it, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, Alfred says, is our problem creating chances or finishing them? I think it's a bit of both. I think it would be disingenuous of me to, to say it was one or the other because I think there is an issue with both. But I do think last season a lot was made of our lack of creativity. And actually, there were numerous games where if we were more clinical, if we did take those opportunities when they came along. And, and that's what top strikers do, right? They take what little opportunities come their way, then we could have been in a much better position. So I think it's fair to say that we don't create enough chances, but it's also unfair to say that, that that's the only reason that we didn't finish where we wanted to finish. And, 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 you know, and to, to kind of dismiss or ignore the chances that were missed last season, because there was bloody a lot of them. Jid F32 says Oba can't hold the ball up, isn't good at link up play, can't score from angles and from some angles and distances, lacquer can. Isn't as good in the air, isn't as good a captain either. He needs space, so he should play wide. Uh, Jonathan says some people seem keen on the idea of us going for Ossiman, but I think his style is quite similar to Oba. Do you agree? And why do you think Ossiman is doing very well this season? For those of you that don't know, Ossiman currently plays his football for Napoli uh, in Serie A, who are flying high at the top of the division at the moment. They're unbeaten, 100% um, record, etc., etc. Look, Ossiman is a really, really talented boy and, a, and he's having a great season. He started last season incredibly well uh, too. 
but he picked up an injury which then kind of derailed him and he never really recovered from that uh, to kind of hit the same heights that he did prior. But look, yes, Ossiman can be similar in the way that he is, uh, you know, quick, likes to run in behind, but I also think he's a little, it gives you a little bit more inside the penalty area in terms of um, occupying centre-halves, turning in tight spaces, uh, getting shots off aerially. I think, so he does give you that little bit more. Um, but look, he's going to be incredibly expensive because Napoli uh, are expected to have a very, very good season in Italy this time around. So I don't think it's um, it's one that would be an easy deal to do. I think he can be similar to Aubameyang in that he can run those channels if you ask him to, but I don't think they're that similar, uh, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Khalid says, that, do you think there are games we can throw Martinelli on the left with ESR as the number 10 and Odegaard as the eight? Yeah, look, I think there will be games where we could probably get away with that. Home games against so-called weaker sides where we're going to have the lion's share of possession. We're not going to be pinned back very much. And yeah, why not? Um, why not? something that we could see a little bit later on. Uh, Josh Hunter says, I would like to see Oba spin off defenders with the ball and have a shot now and then because he's still explosive to some extent. Thoughts? Yeah, agreed. And that's one of the frustrations I've had with Aubameyang is that he's looked quite reluctant to do things like that, to be, to show that explosion. And I think he showed it in the North London derby in various moments and really kind of reminded everybody of what it is that he can do. But it doesn't happen often enough. It hasn't been happening often enough for the best part of 18 months now. But as I say, when you look at the alternatives that Mikel Arteta has at his disposal and you consider the fact that we haven't got to that part of the rebuild yet where we're going to bring in uh, another striker, I think you have to be fair and you have to say that he remains the biggest goal threat that we have. And, and it's as simple as that. Let's see what else we've got. Um, Big hello to Christoph uh, as well, who's joining us in the live chat, as is Paul Nell. Uh, I hope you guys are all good. Uh, make sure, just before we wrap up, that you do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. It really, really helps the channel when you smash the like button. Um, it means the absolute world to me, and it gets the video out to more and more people. So please do hit the like button. As I say, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you are new. Um, also, if you want to go on further and support me to bring you more daily Arsenal football related content, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description and signing up to become a member. We will be back later on today with the second edition of the podcast, the second live stream coming your way. Until then, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon and I will catch you all later. Goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.